everybody. This is Jim Cornette, pro wrestling legend, and you're listening to the Book in the Territory Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast. This is the artist formerly known as Daryl Van Horn, James Mitchell, the Sinister Minister, and I'm here to let you know I would rather slam my cock in a car door than to miss the dulcet tones of Hard Body Harper, my illegitimate son on Booking the Territory podcast. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to this week's episode of our Smoky Mountain Wrestling Podcast. This is Smoky Mountain Wrestling, episode 163 from March the 11th of 1995. And oh, what a big one we have for everyone today. Some stuff mm. is going down related to Bobby Blaze. And because of this epic episode, I'll call it. Bobby is going to join me at the end of this episode to talk about what happens. But for now, I'm sitting here with Doc and not Hardbody Harper. And look, let me tell everybody up front, uh, there are some extenuating circumstances surrounding uh, my personal life right now with um, an illness. And it is causing our schedule, normal time of uh, recording these to be moved around. And unfortunately... Harper's not available during that time. Doc is, and that's uh, that's why Harper hasn't been with us lately on this show. So uh, I don't really want to get into the particulars, but that is there's something going on that is just out of my control, and um, that's all I'll say. Doc, with that said, how are you? Well, as much as I'd like to make a joke and and, and punch you in the and continue to kick you while you're down, come on, everybody. This is the time when we all rally together as an army, and so we're just, you know— we had some audio issues in weeks past. We have schedule issues. We ask for patience because this is not our full-time gig, but we do it because we love to do it. We love Smoky Mountain. We sort of like you guys. And so just just know we'd ru- we, we, the two of us would rather have Harper right here. This show is better. We know that this show is better when Harper's sitting in the booth doing Harper stuff. Yes. But, but it's more important to us to get this show out on time and to give you the content that you're paying for and through your patronage. And we know, I know, cause I listen to podcasts. I expect them to come out cause I'm a regular listener. So we're doing this because we have to not necessarily cause we want to, but that being said, I, you know, I, I, I would love to kick you, but there's no reason in that. Um, you're down enough as it is. Uh, this is a big one, man. Our boy, our boy is getting the come up, man. Yeah, this is a huge one. Bobby and I have already talked about it. If you're a Patreon member, you would have, you've probably already heard the discussion that Bobby and I had about this week's episode and kind of what goes down. Uh, so we'll get into that shortly. First, I do want to mention, uh, along with Bobby's comeuppance, I want to thank uh, disrespectfully Marky Blassie, Kyle Riley, Mike Childry for their generous patronage contributions each and every month. Um, they help us get our comeuppance for this show. And um, I don't usually say this at the top of the show, but I'll say it now. Uh, if you are not a patron, no worries. We understand. Not everybody can afford it. But if you're shopping on Amazon, please use our Amazon referral link. It's tinyurl.com slash Amazon. It is a great way to support this show. And give that link to the hoes, girlfriends, wives, side pieces, whatever you may call it. Give that link to them and tell them to use it as well. Again, it's tinyurl.com slash Amazon. Put that link on Facebook and say, hey... Use this if you shop on Amazon. Like, literally tweet it out or put it on Facebook and social media to people who don't even listen to the show. Because that can help us, too, and it's not costing them anything extra. Now, with that said, 
This is technically taping number four. Let me start the Patreon video. This is technically taping number four from uh, Lenore, North Carolina at Mulberry Street Rec Center. Again, episode 163, March 11th, 1995. The show actually starts. Uh, Doc, I'm assuming you can see my screen, right? Oh, I can see it. Last week, we put a flag on Bob. Jeez, and it wasn't the flag we like. It was a big, nasty, stinky white X. It was the X flag. So uh, we see a uh, replay of the gangsters putting the flag on uh, Bullet Bob Armstrong. And then we uh, cut to the new terrible theme song uh, after that, which we've talked about already. Les Thatcher and Jim Ross then open the show. And Les and JR uh, tell us that we will see some highlights from Sunday Bloody Sunday. That's what we're talking about with Bobby Blaze being involved in that heavily. And then there was a weird cut right before that that they went to commercial and then the first match. Uh, Down in the Smoky Mountains. I think I think longtime Patreon member David Jordan. I think he added it. Uh, Doc, I don't know if you use Spotify, but uh, David's doing the Lord's work. He he has built a Spotify playlist of all of the excellent. Oh, okay. I got you. Smoky Mountain entrance and all that kind of stuff, right? Not just that, like smooth up in your bullet boys. Anything that anything that I will say that you and Hopper have mentioned as songs that are good or bad. He's doing the Lord's work and he's built a Spotify playlist for us. See, those are things like even if you can't be a patron, you can do something to contribute to the community, uh, help out. And those are the I mean, always ask yourself, what can I do to help the show? Is it a five star review? Is it is it just whatever, man? Give it. But but we prefer the money. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. All right. Smooth stuff in you. Whoa. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All they, right. also had, they also had For the Love of Monic. Anyway. Well, we go to the first match after that uh, great um, announcement from Les and Jim opening the show. And uh, we get Unibom and Al Snow versus Anthony Michaels and George South of JCB fame, enhancement talent. Uh, Snow and Unibom win with ease, and Al Snow looks very agile. That was my only note, uh, besides the fact that they won with ease. And what do you have from this, Doc, if anything? Yeah, I just had one note in here that Jr. asked Al Snow over in the booth, what are you doing over here? And at some point in that exchange, Snow brings up Jr.'s sex life again. So we need to keep an eye out for the ongoing Al Snow sexual chronicles. Um, they come out to kiss. Got to tell you, Denim, uh, Mulkey, Fritz, uh, Kiss is not the best band in the world. Uh, that that unholy song is awesome. God of Thunder is awesome. They had good songs. I own some records, but when you go back and listen to some of that corny stuff, it's corny, man. So I'm just saying. And this is the point where you need Harper to respond. I to do. You and agree I just. Or disagree. I do. I knew. I knew when I was saying that I was just throwing it down into the well, and it just was a bottomless pit. I threw the penny in the well, and I was waiting for the clink, and it just never came. So you, you uh, know, you know, the only thing I know about Kiss. Is I want rock and roll all night. Well, and then like War Machine and stuff like that. But the only the, like the one thing of note I had about Kiss was I remember as a kid they had the face paint and then they didn't have the face paint and then yeah. they had it again, right? It yes. maybe. Well, okay. when they decided when they decided that there was money in putting the paint off, they thought there was money in taking it off, and in some degrees they were kind of right. And then and I was a kid too. Then they decided there was more money in putting it back on. And you know why? You, you know what that makes it, right? Brass. That makes 
That makes it a work. Well, you know there's why? truth in both of that. You know why? Go ahead. Because there was there's money involved. Well, no, there was truth in both of it. Because like, if the face paint is on and everybody's clamoring to see what they look like with it off, they're like, oh yeah, yeah, there's money in that. And then once it's put back on, it's like, oh, the old kiss is back. I guess I don't know. I'm just yeah. speculating. Anyway, I mean, it's why Hogan turned every once in a while come out and pose. Anyway, I'm not here to talk about kiss. Um, we do come out of this match, though, with a ridiculous hotline question, by the way. Uh, you want to tell the people what it was? Yeah, it was, can Unabomb be defeated? Well, if he can't, then we might as well just go home. <laughs> we we have, in our quest for the best wrestler ever, have found him, and there's no point in continuing this. So I, I got to say, man, they, they, they some of these hotline questions are, are wow. I mean, they're milking the people. For, for some yeah. change this is this is let me put it to you this way i know you guys want more patron content and as we explained at the beginning of the show we're trying here and we're recording tonight we're going to do a clash tonight without harper i think but but you're getting a better deal for your patron dollars than you would if you called the smoky mountain hotline that's <laughs> for sure yeah at least we and, have a problem. okay so now so now we're over to the rock and roll and i didn't have any notes from this other than is it just me when you look at this, patrons, but is Ricky Morton even more mullety right here? He looks like a damn rooster there. Well, it's because he's got the, it's because the top is so teased and striped spiky. and, yeah, spiky. And that but is a does. mullet, that is an exquisite, strong mullet right there. And he's still wearing that exact same hairdo in 2019 flawlessly. And I say flawlessly with sarcasm, but you're right. Uh, the, what Doc's talking about is the Rock and Roll Express just cut a promo. It's real brief. They're talking about March Madness and an elimination tag match with Al Snow and Unabomb, where it's not the first person to get pinned. You, it's basically they're going to eliminate each other, elimination style. So let's say Gibson gets pinned, the match isn't over. Then Morton needs to be pinned too before the other team wins. But we'll see what happens. You know, you know, my favorite one of those ever was an ECW, and I don't remember the year, but I want to say 94, maybe, probably 95. And it was it was for the uh, TV title, I think. And it was Jericho, Shane Douglas, Pitbull 2, and Too Cold in a four-way match, elimination match. And Douglas attacked Pitbull on the way out to the ring and just laid him out. And then the three of them went after each other for a long time. And then Pitbull got back in. Jericho was the champion coming in and was the first one eliminated. And then Douglas had Francine turn on the Pitbulls and go with him, and he won the title. And that's probably my favorite ECW match of all time. I don't know if I have a favorite ECW match. That's a good one, dude. And it goes for a while, and there's just twists and turns, and the champ goes out first. So, yeah. well, here's somebody we need to say goodbye to. Well, I was about to say, speaking of ECW. Speaking uh, of that highway that's leading from eastern Tennessee up to Pennsylvania, here we go. Right. Jim Ross and Les Thatcher, they throw us to a Sunday bloody Sunday. Wait a minute. Who's the first choice for chicken? I don't know. Jock's talking about the ring apron uh, at Sunday Bloody Sunday. Yeah, Who it was says that? There's, 
I don't know, man. Which I thought chicken it was, place? I was thought that? you. Well, I thought you would say Popeyes, and I would say KFC. Well, I would, but um, let's see. Uh, Nick Fawcett would know. He's he's in that area. Who else would know that's in that area? Uh, Brian Rose would know. Um, what is the first choice for chicken? Which which chicken place is that? I bet you, I don't know, man. But anyway, uh, Jim Ross and Les Thatcher, they throw us to Sunday Bloody Sunday with Chris Candido versus Boo Bradley with Chip Kessler on commentary. Uh, there's all kind of shenanigans in the match, or at least some of it. It's it, We only see a clip of it. Um, with Tammy and her hairspray, as you've seen if you're watching on Patreon. Boo Bradley does defeat Candido, though, when he yanks him off the top rope. Because remember, they're attached by a chain. Um, and then we hear Tommy Noe say, because Tommy's on, um, on the uh, PA... Candido must leave Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Um, so, I, like, Doc, uh, that's the end of Candido and SMW, right? Yeah, what a great run. He and Tammy. Tammy came into her own here. She really blossomed. And I'm not trying to be dirty yet. I will in a second. Candido came in and was solid all throughout. Did a bunch of goofy gimmicks, but got him over and handled it well. They killed a cat. Um... And Tammy stood there and made Tommy Noe crazy in that bikini early on. And, uh, man, uh, I, I did. You did see Boo mace Tammy. And that led me to a question. Do you think that was the only time Tammy had some sort of liquid sprayed into her face that night? Come on, bro. What, what are you to take a word from Harper? What are you, 12? Have you heard our show before? <laughs> Jesus. And some of the things that you've told me that you've heard makes me ask that question, to be honest. You just won't tell the patrons and the people. <laughs> I'm not saying nothing. See, see? Uh, see you know. You know. You were telling me some just downright filthy things. I don't know what you're talking about, but I will say okay. this. Candido's feud with Tim Horner was very, very good. Very, very underrated, even though it was with the whole bonnet and all that. Would you? Okay, so let me ask you this. Would you? So we talked about Chris. Would you say that was the best thing Horner did in the promotion? It was one of his best feuds, probably. I mean, yeah. This, this I agree. He did what Buddy was good, too. I mean, it didn't. <laughs> it ended in Moon River. But, like, right. him and Buddy had a nice little feud. So, I mean, I can't say that, but. Like we're talking in ring stuff, the stuff with him and Buddy, and his stuff with him and Candido was was like some of his best stuff. There's no doubt about it. Okay. Look, man, for what it's worth, like Horner's feuds in the ring, some of the stuff he's involved in, it, it was good, man. There's nothing to take from it. It's it's just outside the ring stuff that you know. He just we, we he just about. couldn't say Paul Orndorff if his life depended on it. We know. I mean that shit was that, there was nothing wrong with that in the ring, but it, it was it was great comedy on the promos, but. God, it feels like it was ten years ago. Holy no God. kidding! All right, I'm so, I, that's what I, that's what I'm saying when I when we get into the last year of this thing. How much this promotion changes over a, a short amount of time? A short amount we of do time, it, and and we do it every week. So it's like the frog sitting in the pot that's slowly getting warmer. You have to think about it in long term because we do this every week. We've seen Boo for a while, but shit. When we started, Boo, Boo Bradley or Balls Mahoney wasn't on our radar and would have never been. Yeah. Well, with that said, um, they show 
they they go from Boo defeating Candido, and again, uh, Chris, it was wonderful having you in Smoky Mountain. You and Tammy have fun up north in ECW, um, or in the WWF, and then eventually WCW. But Boo wins, and he's now um, looks like he's going to be in a feud with Billy Black because they show the replay of Billy Black defeating Boo Bradley. Uh, in the Beat the Champ TV title match. And then they show um, Boo cutting a quick promo. Here it is. Hello? Hey, hey, is this on over here? Yeah, will you go already? Okay, okay, I'm sorry. Hi, everybody. This is Boo Bradley again. And, and I'm here today to talk to you about something that happened on the TV when I had that TV championship thing, whatever that is. But they called me a champion, so I defended my belt against a guy named Billy Black. And Billy Black, you know, he was a good wrestler. And I tried to treat him like a good wrestler and try to wrestle him. But, you know, I'm not a mean person. I try not to be a mean person. And when he was holding his leg like that, I thought he was really hurt and I didn't want to hurt him. And then the next thing I know, I got dropped on my head from behind. And you know, when I was growing up in Asbury, there's a lot of kids used to make fun of me. And they know how mean I can be when I throw them through a wall. And I don't want to do something like that, but Billy Black, you're going to end up making me do something like that to you just because you had to trick me like that because everyone should wrestle fair. But I got to go now. So everybody have a good day and eat your peas. Bye. It's a fucking mess, man. <laughs> I, can, I can assure you of one thing. Doc ain't going to be eating no peas. Fuck that. Anything from Blue Bradley besides that? Did he not say somewhere in there the TV title, whatever that is. I thought that was hilarious. He's just a mess. I mean, you're listening to him. If you're, if you, if you watch the episode or our patron and can see it on our video review, he's just, he's a mess. It's, he also sounds like a high pitched kid version of cactus now, which is funny. Cause that's what it was always supposed to do. Uh, he's very sympathetic too. That's what I, I do like about him in this. In yeah. This role, but, no, I, I, you know, I actually, I'm going to tell you, I kind of wish we could have seen the Billy Black, Boo Bradley thing play out, to be honest. Yeah, there may have been something there, but as we talk about that, the next match is Brian Logan versus uh, bad boy Billy Black for the Beat the Champ TV title. Of course, Billy Black's going to win, but like I said, don't get too used to it because uh, he ain't long for this territory. Billy Black wins, retains the title, he may, but he may this look is it. like Skinner. Well, he may look like Skinner, but his his he's going to be the Almond Brothers rambling man because he ain't going to be around. Yeah, he ain't going to be around. Apparently, apparently, he's got to get back over to the swamp, if you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, we told the story, I think, last week about or a week before about what happens with him and why he's not around. But uh, long story short, don't get used to him, like we said, and uh, they're going to have to replace him. And uh, that's that. So... Doc, I'm not even going to play the promo that he cuts. I don't have anything from it. Yeah, the only thing I had from the match was is when he did those kicks, JR was awesome. He goes, he didn't learn that in South Georgia, which, no, he you didn't. know, he, he's been over in Japan with Deaton. So that was a really nice come. I think JR, the problem is we're about to lose JR, and JR is really settling into a nice, I mean, he's always great at this time period, but he's really settling into a nice rhythm with less. And they're just really good in this period. But, yeah, I didn't have anything from the promo. I thought it was pretty meh. Well, and the thing with JR and Les, and, man, I got to I gotta credit Les Thatcher because he told me this when he was on the show. 
Les said, you know, he was listening to us one time and he was saying how we were talking about God, that still amazes me. Les Get Thatcher a new suit, old man. Les Thatcher was listening to us. And he goes, you know, I got a bone to pick with you guys. You guys are talking about having a heel manager. I'm a heel announcer and a babyface announcer. He's like, back in my day, you know, he's like, we didn't always have that. We just had, you know, uh, this, uh, the hey, announcers. This ain't your day, old man. I like what I like, and don't make me stretch you. Well, yeah, right. Les is still stretching I, no, I, right now. Well, here's the thing. My, I remember Les on that MTV show where he was running Heartland, uh, his training school up, and whenever you know, and he had this punk kid come in, and I remember Les getting in the corner with him and going, "Look, pal," and you can imagine an old tough wrestler with some punk white privileged snotty youth that likes to do drugs and drink and try to get some rats saying he's a wrestler but can't even bump at his school Les got in his face and goes look kid i've seen all the tricks you're not going to get anything over on me i don't want i don't want it and just and you can hear him saying it just <laughs> this shit ain't gonna work look man i'll stretch you uh but what i was gonna say was the thing about Les is him and JR, they're two baby faces, unlike Dutch and Bob Cottle were, where Dutch was the heel. Yeah. And uh, Les and JR, as a, as a tandem, are, are great on commentary. I agree. They're good. So uh, we keep going, and Chip Kessler, the man who mm. does not blink when talking, is actually interviewing Bob Armstrong and Jim Cornette. It's it's about two minutes, and, and um, I wasn't going to play it because we're going to play something else from this later, but... Cornette is crying about not being able to go to either of the Smoky Mountain dressing rooms because he doesn't fit in either one. And then they throw us to Sunday Bloody Sunday with the Heavenly Bodies and Cornette versus the Gangsters. And Cornette breaks out the powder and takes out D'Lo. Bob Armstrong, who's the special guest referee, hits New Jack with the flapjack. The Bodies and Cornette pin the Gangsters. But then, of course, after the match, Bob Armstrong gets the boots put to him. Now, Doc, right. I'll stop there first. What do you have from uh, either this interview, the first part of it, or, and then the stuff from Sunday Bloody Sunday with the gangsters and the bodies? I thought it was really interesting for Corny to even talk about having to go to the babyface locker room because that, that's just a picture, man. He's sitting in there with people he's screwed over all over all these years. So I think that's a really interesting thing to bring up in a, in a promo and, and, and to make a visual because I, I pictured him walking in there and they're all kind of looking at him like, what the shit? Um, I, we also learn officially uh, that Bedlam is gone. Bruiser Bedlam's out, which mm -hmm. you know. Um, and then when we well, went, he, to the, he hadn't been around at all. So I mean, it's like right, right. That's not a huge surprise. Uh, the other thing here is when they go to the ring, Bob looked really uncomfortable as a ref, in my opinion. Uh, you know, there we talk about. We've had James Beard on the show years ago. I, I think most people just think being a ref is just easy, and I and I think there's an art to it. And, you know, just because you're good at one thing doesn't mean you're good at the other. And so um, I thought Bob looked a little uncomfortable, but that's okay. It's not a big deal. Um, and then after, I think, the powder, Corny dropped a fucking elbow on D'Lo on the fucking concrete, dude. It's pretty pretty vicious, man. How, I mean, he is a doughboy manager dropping an elbow. He's about to throw some powder, and you know that always gets me a little bit tingly in my pants. <laughs> I love powder. powder. I love powder being th okay. Watch this. Watch this. If you're a patron, he's getting ready. He comes with the hammer down. Watch, Bruh. That's a concrete floor. Corny just dropped that elbow on. Does that feel good when you land like that? Uh, he he was all right because he was. 
he was all. It'd be different if he came off the apron. Sure. When he comes, he's on the floor already. But so he ain't a re- but bad. he ain't a wrestler either. No, I agree. But um, Corny during this time period is gaining weight, so he's got a lot of padding on that hip. Ah, uh, that's true too, and it's going to continue throughout '95. He is just downright fat by the in a few months, and and he's talked about it. You know, he's up in <laughs> Stanford just. So he said, um, he, said he, he he's talked about it. He's like, you know, stress if, eating. if you're Jerry Jarrett, you're up there just drinking and you don't know yeah, you drink. Yeah. But if you're me, you, you, where you don't drink and do all those things, you, you stress eat and you blow up to 300 pounds, basically. Uh, Shit. Almost, so. Think about, think about this. Think how frustrated and, and angry and cranky in our text exchanges when we watch raw for three hours, imagine being in, in that bullshit environment all the time. We'd be drinking and eating and drugging and all kinds of stuff, too. Well, you've said it a bunch of times. Like, I remember one time, I've had a few people reach out and go, man, it would be cool if y'all could work for the WWE and review classic wrestling. I'm like, I, 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 there is, I do not want to work for that company. Doc and I know what it's like to do pin me, pay me, and I would never want to work we, for We do company. this. We do this as an outlet to not do pin me, pay me. It's why we don't try sponsors. We just work directly with, to the consumer. And if you don't like it, and we know that you do, then okay. Yeah, man. I don't know, to, I don't know how else to say it. I'm with you. All right. So, Doc, um, they after that match where the bodies and Cornette pin well, the gangsters. Yeah. But... So, so hold on, because after that, I kept thinking. Watching them stand there looking at each other, my note was, Corny is going to turn on Bob at some point. This ain't going to end well. And then Bob is just, hey, man, we don't we don't need you guys. We, we're, we're, me and Tracy, are, we'll stand on our own two feet or our own four feet. And Corny goes, yeah, but what if I can get you a certain mystery partner? And boy, I got to tell you, this is a mystery partner that's going to pay off. Yeah, and I'm gonna we're gonna play the we're gonna play the last part of it in a second. Well, then hit so, it. Well, Dang let me up. let me Dang. let me set let me re- reset things. So again, like Doc said, the the gangsters lose, um, and then we go back to a quick interview segment, and then Cornette throws it to a re uh, not a rematch, but a replay with the Southern Boys versus the gangsters that ended with again Bob Armstrong being buried under the X flag. So everybody remembers when that happened, and then comes the gold let me get to it uh, here we go Cornette, what what exactly is your proposal here well you know it never hurts to take a trip down memory lane when you're trying to sell something and that's what i'm trying to sell i'm trying to sell myself to you bob armstrong i've got something to say to you i got an offer to make now i can't get the heavenly bodies down here all the time because they came in a couple of times but i need somebody to get even with the gangsters that's right here and they got wwf contracts signed for the next six months i don't have access to the heavenly bodies i sure can't whip them myself not one of them especially not three of them but you and tracy smothers you got a reason to want to get even with the gangsters and i believe me i understand that and i want to let you fight that fight but i also know you got d brown outside the ring running around causing chaos and I know more tricks outside the ring than he's ever thought of or heard of, and I know how to head him off. So what I'm asking you is when you take on the gangsters, I want to be a part of it. I want to be in on getting even. Let me be your manager. I want to manage you and Tracy Smothers against the gangsters. What? Yeah. Are you kidding me? No, I'm serious. We've never needed a manager. 
No doubt you know the tricks. You've been around long enough, manager of the year so many years in a row and all that. I've heard all that. So I know you know the tricks. No doubt in my mind. But we call our own shots. We're, we're our own men. We want to get our revenge ourselves. And I don't think we need you, Jim Cornette. I think we can handle this job all by ourselves. Well, I tell you, I wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't be a businessman if I wasn't bringing something to the table. I got a little something to add to this negotiation. See, like I said, D'Lo Brown, he's out there running around, and he's done as much damage to you and Tracy Smothers as the other two guys have. And he's a big, strong man. So you got three of them, you got two of you. Tell you what I'll do. I can bring this whole thing to a screeching halt. I'll get you the greatest six-man tag partner that you've ever had in your life. You know, I got access to a lot of people, a lot of names in the world of wrestling. I'll get you a six-man tag partner that can blow those gangsters out of the water to join with you and Tracy Smothers against the three of them. If you'll let me manage you, I will provide you with a guy that will make people's eyes pop out like pie plates and it will eliminate the gangsters from the scene once and for all. I've already got him on the line. All I've got to do is get the commitment from you to reel him in. Well, you make it sound pretty persuasive. And the gangsters have hurt me and my family. I'll tell you what I'll do, Cornette. If you produce this man who's as bad as you say and a juggernaut like you say, and I think he can get the job done, we'll take him as a six-man partner and we'll even let you tag along as manager. How about that? <laughs> but I gotta know first. I gotta know. That's all I wanted to hear. I got the man's word himself and I know his word's as good as a bond and I got that partner and all I gotta do is make a phone call and I'll tell everybody next week on TV exactly who it's gonna be, but trust me, get to your TV set early because you ain't gonna wanna miss this news. Smoky Mountain Wrestling is fixed to turn upside down. <laughs> well, fans, we'll find out exactly who Jim Cornette will produce next week, next week on Smoky Mountain Wrestling. More action coming up right after this. We'll have to wait till next week, Doc. But it's a pretty big name, and that's all I want to say right now. Hey, give we've had, most of the time, this stuff has always paid off well in Smoky Mountain. There's been a couple of times, like Abdullah, this is going to pay off. This is going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah, we got... I feel like if I say anything else, I'll give it away. So Yeah, let's just, let's just go on to the big news, though, because now we need to move on to something... Of some pretty big significance, not only to the promotion, but in our little community as well. And so this is this is one of those big moments in Smoky Mountain. And not only is it a big moment in Smoky Mountain, I'd say we had something to do with this, don't you think? <laughs> I don't know about that, but Jim Ross and Les Thatcher throw us to Chip Kessler, who sets the table for Buddy Landell, who attacks Dirty White Boy before his match with Jerry Lawler for the Smoky Mountain Wrestling Heavyweight title. At now, Sunday first Bloody of all, Sunday. hold on. Buddy was hilarious because they're like, he's over the mountain. He's going to Dirty White Boy. And, and Buddy over the mic goes, oh, no. He ain't coming in. He's drunk. Buddy's awesome here. Yes, and then, uh, but then, and then after all that, Budro has something to say, and then we hear from Bob Armstrong with how they're going to settle this because of Budro attacking White Boy. But let me play the audio from it. Here it is. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Jim Ross, Les Thatcher, back with you here on Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Les, was Sunday Bloody Sunday everything you thought it was going to be? Hey, you know, you mentioned earlier upsets and surprises. It's all right here, Jim. Ladies and gentlemen, let us please take you back to Sunday Bloody Sunday. It was in Knoxville, Tennessee when one of the wildest afternoons of Smoky Mountain Wrestling ever occurred, here's what happened involving the Smoky Mountain Heavyweight Championship. Fans here in Knoxville, Chip Kessler at the Civic Coliseum 
to report Sunday, Bloody Sunday activity to you for Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Now, as we get ready to look at our title defenses, it was to be Jerry the King Lawler this afternoon defending that belt against the Dirty White Boy. But as you're going to see right now, Nature Boy Buddy Landell makes his presence felt even before the match begins. But the white boy got a little retribution on him, ripping his clothes a couple of weeks ago. Wait a minute! There is Buddy Landell blindsiding the dirty white boy. Had a briefcase or something. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some bricks or rocks in there. And Landell is really teeing off on the white boy. is out there. Oh, oh, he, he's drunk. No, he's brother. Drunk. White boy is being helped back to the dressing room. And Landell is telling Lawler, let's it get it on. Like being Jerry Lawler tonight, right? Being against Jerry Lawler, right? Number one, you are fined $2,500. the dirty white boy incapacitated so commissioner bob armstrong goes back to the dressing room and finds the first wrestler available to take on jerry the king lawler for the smoky mountain championship and that man is ashland kentucky's bobby blaze i know what he is i can tell by looking at him he's in what we call a curtain jerker he's a preliminary punk who needs to be on the first match or better yet he should be like the rest of these pathetic peons he should only be able to buy a ticket and sit in the front row and watch big stars like I shouldn't even have to soil my hands on a preliminary puke like him. But I'll tell you what, Bob Armstrong, just because you think you're showing up in front of all of your moronic fans here, I want you to sit here and watch what I do to him. Because when you see it, they're going to have to kickstart your pacemaker because you'll have a coronary when I get through with him. Shot to the jaw. All right, I'll turn it down. Um, Doc... A lot happened there to the point you made. Budrow figured, I guess, by attacking Dirty White Boy, he was just going to go straight for the title. And Bob Armstrong said, nah, brah, I'm going to get somebody else because you can't do things like that, which I thought is really cool because you can't reward, you know, a heel-type maneuver like that where he's going to, you know, destroy the White Boy's chance of going for the title and then figure, oh, they'll just put me in the match. No, he said, Bob Armstrong was like, nope. I'd rather just give it to, you know, the Rocky Balboa of Smoky Mountain Wrestling. So he calls on Bobby Blaze. Doc, your thoughts? I have a question about that and the logic behind it and the psychology behind it. Why would Buddy be mad about that? Because if he's still going to get a title fight, ch shot later with the winner, 
this is an opportunity for these two guys to whoop each other, and he can just sit there and pick the bones. Well, I think, well, that's a good point, too, because no matter what, he's supposed to get a shot anyway. Right, so he's the, he he's okay, he's still literally okay and intact here. He's just lighter, twenty five hundred in the wallet. Um, well, wait a minute, one, two, oh, Bobby Blaze almost won well, there. Well, oh, but but here, okay, I see what you're saying, but here here's another point to look at. He, here, Bobby's about to win the title. Bobby, Bobby's the, the, title. Bobby's the one, king of the roll up. Good lord, talk about cheapening a title. Bobby Blaze just pinned Jerry Lawler. Let me answer your I question. I was like, I was well, and I thought, you know, I thought Lawler was shooting and had a point, curtain jerker, and all that kind of stuff. And <laughs> let me let me let me let me make a point though, real quick, as I think about your question. Yes, you're right. He was going to get a shot later anyway, even if it's Dirty White Boy versus Lawler. But remember, Buddy's a heel. He's not supposed to be that intelligent. So he's just figuring, let me dispose of this asshole, the dirty white boy, and then I'm gonna get in there against Lala. Okay. Because it's my fair. shot anyway. I'm not I'm um, not too I'm not too concerned about it. I just it was what I thought while I was watching it. I I'm I'm good with small suspension of belief here or disbelief. Uh so we have a uh this this will end. We have a new champion, first of all. Congratulations to Ashland, Kentucky's Second favorite son behind Billy Ray Cyrus. We're talking about Bobby Blaze. Jesus Christ. It's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. <laughs> Man, he is the champ. Sitting on top of the mountain. King of the roll-up. Doesn't matter how you get there. As long as you get there. He throws Come Lawler into, Bo- into Buddy, who's on the ring apron, and then Bobby schoolboys Lawler. And look at Lawler like, what the hell? No, that did not just happen. Bobby tells us the good – we'll tell the whole story later on in this episode. And it is, it's it's great. Uh, it was a lot to – you know, I'm just saying. It, he, I had fun talking to him about this moment the months before it. And then somewhat uh, months after it and whatnot and everything that ensues. We didn't go too far. We, we went about 45 minutes, but it's a good discussion. And we're going to do something else later on as uh, as things progress in Smoky Mountain with him and uh, beyond the title and whatnot. But anyway, uh, long story short, Bobby Blaze is the new champion. Now, uh, with that said, Bobby's he's the got champ. A, he's got a title defense. Right. Now he's got to defend the title. Okay, so... so- so would the popular conventional logic be that that was just a way to get it over to Buddy and everybody in there is like, well, that's a nice story for the 30 minutes it happens, but he's going to be a champion for 30 minutes and and then Buddy's going to take it. I mean, that could have been it. Well, and that's why, well, yeah, that's that's a good point, too. Uh, that's why I kind of like what what all what all goes down here. Right. So let me play this quick audio clip. This is as, as Buddy is getting in the ring to now fight Bobby Blaze because now Buddy's getting his title shot. Well, fans, as you just saw here at Sunday Bloody Sunday, a shocking, unbelievable development. Bobby Blaze defeating Jerry the King Lawler to become the new Smoky Mountain heavyweight champion. But now Bobby Blaze, already tired from having wrestled twice today, must defend that belt against nature boy Buddy Landell. Fans, let's go to the closing moments of that great match. So you heard Kessler. He throws it to Budrow versus Bobby for the title. Uh, we've only got 
the one camera shot of this match. So we can't see Bobby's face, but we are told that Bobby is busted open and he's beating, uh, bleeding badly. Uh, now, Bobby, he ends up winning after being dominated pretty much throughout what we see. And Bobby's schoolboy's Landell while Landell is farting around with Dirty White Boy, who's now on the outside of the ring and has recovered. Well, so, and he's the cha- he's the champ now. He don't have to win. He just doesn't. He just doesn't have to lose. He can't lose. So, but he wins. It right. It don't matter how you get there. Has so, anybody has anybody gone from so far down to so far up in one night other than Rocky Balboa? I mean, here's the I, thing: th- Villanova beating Georgetown in '85, David <laughs> slaying Goliath in Bible <laughs> times. You're making fun of Bobby, but Bobby just defeated. Lawler and Landell in the same damn night by pinfall, not DQ. Right. That's awesome. It is. And, and you know, uh, Lawler's gone now. So Lawler came in, did a little cup of coffee. He's out. And this is going to set off a really nice deal with with uh, Landell. Yeah, uh, this is, there's a promo. I think it's next week. <laughs> Their buddies just vicious with bobby it's 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 so it's so not classy it's it's very inappropriate but it's 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 and the only thing that i thought would have been a nice touch to the end of this was if the lock the baby faces came out of the locker room and celebrated with bobby i bet corny there was a reason he didn't do that okay that's fine all right so then Bobby is the champ. He has navigated the gauntlet that he didn't know he was going to have. And now he's going to go. He looks, dude, he looks like a Civil War survivor <laughs> sitting there. Actually, what I, my note was, these when he and Dirty White Boy are in the locker room, these two look like some broad menstruated on their heads. That's nice, Doc. <laughs> Dude, look at that right there. These two. The words of Bobby, what are you, 12? These two hillbillies look like they just got back from the Battle of Antonitum, and they're just like, their muskets ran out of. He kind of looks like a, a skinny Terry Gordy sitting there. Bobby, that is. Let's go to it now. This is after the matches. Bobby is in the back with Chip Kessler and Dirty White Boy. Both of them have their heads bandaged. Bobby is. He's a mess. Pretty good. He's a mess. Let's hear, let's hear what they got to say. It's um, Dirty White Boy and Bobby with Chip Kessler. Back here in the dressing room at the Knoxville Civic Coliseum, it's about 30 minutes after Bobby Blaze wrote wrestling history here today in Knoxville. Blaze substituting for the injured Dirty White Boy not only defeats Jerry the King Lawler for the Smoky Mountain Heavyweight Championship in a tremendous upset, He then goes about and defeats Nature Boy Buddy Landell to retain the championship belt. Bobby, I have to say that the folks here in Smoky Mountain Wrestling and for the the world of wrestling are already calling you the upset kid. Mr. Kessler, I I can't believe I won it either. I'm I'm still in a state of shock right now that I won this belt right now. When I come back to Smoky Mountain Wrestling, I'm a year and a half older, a year and a half wiser, and I thought I was about to climb a long, long ladder. And it all comes to me in one day. The only thing I can say is this is the greatest day of my wrestling career and the greatest day of my life. It's, I'm just as surprised as you are and everyone else. And White Boy, I know you're disappointed that you were, were literally cheated out of your title shot by 
Buddy Landell. You have to be happy about your friend Bobby Blaze. You made your presence felt, though, towards the end of that match with Buddy Landell, and some people would say and help Bobby Blaze in retaining the championship here today. Well, first of all, I didn't help Bobby Blaze win anything. All I did was prevent nature boy Buddy Landell from cheating like he always does, like he's done everybody else, and it's a hell of a kid. No, it's a hell of a young man right here. Fans, there you have it here from the... I'd like to say something. I just had a new... My wife just had a new baby. He's two weeks old. Drake... Daddy's bringing home the gold tonight. That's so all I just want to say to my son Drake. You see this, Bobby Blaze? All right, let me stop it before they go to Buddy. My bad, I was supposed to stop it. But uh, for, Doc, first thoughts on on Bobby and I thought he, I thought he was really good. Still doing the all shucks. He said it was the greatest day of his life. I know that that is that has changed now because he's been on our show. So that would be the greatest times of his life. But um. Uh, Dirty White Boy did a great, just simple job of, of putting him over. Just, I, I thought this was all really, really well done. And congratulations, Bobby Blaze, Smoky Mountain heavyweight champion. And I don't care. You call people marks or it's all a work, but everybody grows up and wants to be the champ. And not everybody gets there. So, you know, there you go. And I want you to consider, we talked, you'll hear it in a little bit when, you talk, when I talk to Bobby. I mean, basically, you know, he was a Memf Bobby was a Memphis wrestling fan growing up. So, and he, he here he is against Jerry Lawler, winning the Smoky Mountain title. And I know it doesn't seem like a big deal to some, but like Bobby right. literally went in there against, you know, a legend. Okay, so let eyes. me let me tell you, let me. I, I ain't trying to be a dick here. What's the biggest name in wrestling that you put their shoulders to the mat? Tommy Rogers. Okay, you beat Tommy well, Rogers one. Whoa, 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 hold on. Tommy Rogers. Would you say you'd say Tommy is Tommy Rogers is a bigger name than Sam Houston? I would. Yeah, that's what I, that's why I said that. Tommy Rogers. I'm trying to think. I mean, I had. So those those two guys are. are Chris Adams famous. whipped my ass. Um, I never pinned him. Um. Well, and here's the thing. Rogers. Those guys are famous wrestlers, and we all know them. But they ain't Jerry Lawler. That's right. what I'm saying. Well, and I told Bobby when we were recording with him, I said that would be the equivalent of fucking junkyard dog put me over for the Mid South North American title. <laughs> you right. know, like that would have been there, a big goddamn it, deal. So that was really good. I liked it, and then I really liked Buddy's response here. Buddy, I thought Buddy was great. Yeah, let's hear. Let's. This is Buddy responding to uh, Bobby after after the match. See this, Bobby Blaze. This is blood, but it's not my blood, son. It's your blood, Bobby Blaze. It's you that got your head busted open and beat to a frazzle right in the middle of the ring. But did I win the belt? No. Why didn't I win the belt? Because it took Bob Armstrong. It took the dirty white boy. It took Jerry Lawler, the referee, the wrestling fans, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. It's a conspiracy going on. It's like Dallas in 61. It's a conspiracy. But I'm in the middle of it. And I don't like it. And I can be a thorn in people's flesh. I can be a mean and nasty guy. Don't let the suits and ties fool you, Bobby Blaze. So it's coming down to this, punk. See, I'm used to Cadillacs, diamond rings, and limousines, and women's, and jet flying, and all of that. I'm not used to getting beat, son. I'm not used to that. But what you are used to is pitching hay, and running ridges, and moonshine, you punk from Ashland, Kentucky. So I'm telling you this, 
I'll put up my car, which is a Mercedes-Benz, not a moped like you drive. I'll put up my rings, my watches, my firstborn. I don't care what I have to do. I'll sign any contract just to get you back in the ring. And brother, when I do, let me promise you one thing before God right now. Lightning don't strike in the same place twice. Wear that belt proudly while you can. Because the next time I get you in the ring, you piece of sh I'm going to rip your stinking head off and I'm going to spit your neck. And then you can go home to your new two-year-old baby Drake and tell him when you're sucking soup out of a straw for about six months in intensive care that the nature boy Buddy Landell took care of you. Got it? Well, Doc, thoughts? More than anything else he said, and he was good, I like the fact that he did the soft and then just exploded after he was quiet for a second. That's just great. That's understanding how to cut a promo. And, dude, he's convinced that everybody's against him. And so far, he has reason to think that, I think. So, Buddy was great. Buddy's been cussing a lot in his promos, though. We need to get that cleaned up. No, nah, I like it. Buddy was great there. I agree with you. He talks about ripping his head off, and uh, then he takes a shot, a little bit, a little small shot at the family. We're going to get more of that, but that was good stuff. So, I, hey, look, they're off and running with Bobby Blaze versus Buddy Landell at this point as Jerry Lawler now exits uh, exits the stage and exits Smoky Mountain. We're going to have to stay tuned to this one. This is, this is I'm sure it's going to, I'm sure things are going to continue to bubble uh, to the surface. We'll see what happens. We go immediately right from Bobby and the Buddy situation to the gangsters, and uh, let's hear what the gangsters have to say. Here, here we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with the gangsters. Uh, as we know, Jim Cornette will bring a mystery partner to the big six-man tag team matchup at the Bluegrass Brawl. Does that concern you in the least? Do I look concerned? Yeah. <laughs> Jim Cornette done tried every possible trick, and ain't nothing worked. We done beat the Rock and Roll Express. We beat the Heavenly Bodies, you don't see them. We done beat up all the Armstrong, Brad, Bob, Steve, Grumpet, Dopey, Goofy, and now he gonna go and get a mystery partner. Do I look concerned? I ain't worried about Cornette. I ain't worried about no mystery partner. I ain't worried about no redneck he can put in front of the gangster. It's only three of us here, but it's a whole lot of us that I can go and get it. And if need be, I can bring a whole busload up here. I bring so many of us up here, you would think we was making a Tarzan movie. So partner, if you want some, come on, get some, because I'm letting you know now, the gangsters here to be had. Cornette, I don't care who you go and get. You can get your big fat mama in Louisville, Kentucky, and roll her down to the ring. We'll beat her just like we beat you. You want some? Come on, partner. We ready. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll find out next week who that... All right, New Jack says he isn't worried about whoever this mystery partner is. That that they'll then have to face um, against. And New Jack says, if need be, I can bring a whole busload of us up here. If need be, he says, I can get enough and so many that you would think we're filming a Tarzan movie. That's real classy, New Jack. Real classy. Jesus freaking Christ. Uh, that got some heat, though, in that area, man, when he said that. Because there's, there's uh -huh. these folks... You know, Bubba and um, Bubba and Barbara up in the mountains was like, man, don't bring them down here. 
I got my shotgun ready. I ain't for this shit, man. I'm here to watch a wrestler and not see this shit. Anyway, Doc, you got any thoughts from New Jack there and the gangsters? I just really liked it at the beginning when he said, do I look concerned? Mm. 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 Only in America. All right, man. So, good stuff. Good stuff. Love it. Love every bit of it. Um, Doc, any other thoughts on uh, how this episode ends? Let's get to the ratings, pal. Well, normally I don't rate this shit, and I'm not giving out a disability check. But I tell you what I am going to do. First thing I'm going to do is say, hey, please become a Patreon member at tinyurl.com slash Patreon BTT. Get access to the world-class shows, the ECW shows, the video reviews of these episodes, and 200, of, 200 other Patreon-exclusive episodes. Also, the Clash of Champions that we do on the NWA show. We've got another pay-per-view coming up. We did the Bunkhouse Stampede earlier this year. We've got another pay-per-view coming up, the Great American Bash. So lots of stuff available for our Patreon members at tinyurl.com slash BTT. So thank you very much if you're a patron. I'm not giving out a disability check. I'm just going to rate this episode an A+, like we do on the NWA show. And it is because our boy, our friend, Bobby Blaze, defeated, not only did he did defeat Jerry Lawler, but he defeated Bob, Buddy Landell in one night. What a night. What a night. So there you go. Um, A+. plus. What are you giving it disability check-wise, Doc? 8.4. I thought you'd give it something higher than that. I'm shocked. I rate the episodes the way that that they're presented to me. I'm saying 8.4. 10.4, pal. Okay. Government Cheese, uh, named by Shard Johnson, longtime listener. Shard, become a patron. Help support the show. Anyway, um, how do we not give it to fucking Bobby Blaze, Doc? Please tell me you're not going to give it to someone else. Um, There is really no other leader in the clubhouse. Mr. Smedley gets the uh, cheese, pal. He's the champ out of nowhere. It's the greatest day of his life until today when he won the government cheese. So uh, Bobby gets the cheese. Bobby gets the cheese. And he's not only did he win the cheese as far as the gold, but uh, he wins the cheese this episode. So Bobby, you hillbilly, um, you Ashland, Kentucky native. Uh, thank you again for joining the show. But uh, more than anything, uh, congratulations all these years later on defeating Lawler and Landell in the same night. What a night. And I know you loved it because we talked about it. Anyway, Doc, anything else you want to talk about before we turn it over to uh, throw it to uh, Bobby Blaze and myself talking about this night? Well, actually, no, I'm just kidding. Let's let's go here from Bobby. All right, man. So uh, for Doc and um, Harper, who's not here, Doc, won't you hit the tagline and then I'll uh, bring in Bobby Blaze for the uh, for the interview and him to talk about this glorious night that he had uh, back at Sunday Bloody Sunday in 1995. Well, then let's book it, bitch. Hello, everyone, and uh, you've probably just finished listening to episode 163 from March 11th of 1995 of Smoky Mountain Wrestling, or... You're a Patreon member, and you're getting this a month, about a month early. I am sitting here with former Smoky Mountain Wrestling champion Bobby Blaze. Bobby has been on this show numerous times before, uh, but I wanted to bring Bobby back because, as you uh, know, if you're listening to this on Patreon, uh, we haven't gotten to this point in, in Smoky Mountain Wrestling yet, but if you're listening on the free feed, you just listen to Doc and Harper, and maybe Harper. We don't know if Harper can make it yet. 
<laughs> but Doc and I review Smoky Mountain Wrestling from episode, uh, or from March 11th, 1995, episode 163. So I'm sitting here with longtime friend, Smoky Mountain Wrestling uh, champion, former champion, Bobby Blaze. Bobby, how you doing, man? Hey, man, I'm doing good, Mike. It's great to be back on your show, booking the territory. Shout out to uh, Doc and Harper there. But hey, um, man, I'm a friend of the show, friend of the program. You know that. Um, I usually listen every uh, probably Sunday afternoon after I record my podcast, and uh, I'm doing pretty good, man. It's, it's great touching base with you. No, I and I appreciate it. I appreciate your time wanting to do this again. I think uh, you've been on two or three times before, maybe four. I can't even remember. I know it's been a bunch of times, but it's been a while since you've been on. So, but we had to bring you back because. The March 11th, 1995 episode of Smoky Mountain, there was a huge surprise. And I got some questions for you, and I know you got some answers for me because you have a great memory when it comes to these things. Uh, to make, to, to basically, you know, uh, wrap things up from what we were just talking about on the, on the Smoky Mountain show, you won the Smoky Mountain Wrestling Heavyweight title from Jerry Lawler. Now, you've actually talked to me about this before, but I don't know if we've gone into this greater detail. So, Bobby, my first question is, this at least as far as the Smoky Mountain TV, literally comes out of nowhere. Um, you show up uh, at the big event, and you win the title. So I want you to take me through um, what happened, because you're not on TV before. It's not being built up. And then out of nowhere, like I said, all of a sudden you're facing Lawler for the title. So how did all this happen? Um, you know, when did Cornette call you? When was it decided? What did Lawler think? What did Budro think? I mean, everything that I'm thinking of. I got 20 questions, so I'll just throw it at you, and you tell me how it all went down, where it started, and all that good stuff, Um, you know, for, for that night. I'll try to tell you the best I can, man, after that. That's a damn 20 questions right there. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that's good. That's good, Um, and I appreciate that. So what happened was um I had – I had finished up with Smoky Mountain probably four or five months before that as far as just, you know, working pretty regular for him. And um, I got called back for some TVs and snap. But in the meantime, uh, Jimmy had asked me, you know, to go away. Um, and, and he had bring me back in the future if it's possible. You know, we, it was all good. It was no, you know, not, nothing like that as far as like, you know, you're fired kind of thing. You know, no BS. It's just like, hey, we're, we're changing talent now. We're this and that. You've been around here for a while. You know, what's this saying? How can I miss you if you don't go away? You know, and I actually spoke to um, over Memphis there. I spoke to Randy Hales and that just I had there was a time I would run over and starve, Mike, to be honest with you. But that time at that point, I wasn't ready to do that. So I was getting good bookings off the Smoky Mountain TV where I had a good run, you know, just for the regional TV. So with that said, what happened was the best I remember, man, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, um, I was one of the few people to know, obviously, because Jimmy called me. I had been up in West Virginia to a, at a radio station, and, and I was getting ready to go to Tennessee to tell you I'm out here, you know, where I'm out here, out in Kentucky. I border a lot of, you know, hell, a lot of states. I'm going to try to say there, but uh, I was doing radio earlier that day, and I stopped by my house for, I don't know why I did. I was actually going to leave West Virginia, head through Kentucky, Virginia, down to Tennessee, but I came back through my house. This is pre-cell phone, you know, and um, I, I – I was going to be there like maybe 30 minutes at the most. And the phone rang. It's Cornette. And this is probably in, in January, January probably. Um, I want to, I almost want to say it in December, but I'm pretty sure it's January. And I wish I could remember that saying truthfully. But probably January of 95, 
And, and it was Cornette. It's about three o'clock in the day. And again, I wasn't going to stop at my home. I had already left to do the radio. And, and Cornette says, hey, Bobby, what's up? And, and uh, just want to touch base with you. Got an idea. I want to run by you. Thing was, I was on a show, getting ready to head to a show in Tennessee. So was he, you know, Smoky Mountain show. But I was doing some independence. And uh, I was like, yeah, what's up, you know? And uh, he goes, hey, I'd like to bring you back. I, I got this idea. I'm going to run by you. He goes, but the thing is, he goes, you can't tell anyone. He goes, you know, you, you, this has to be on the down low, you know, to say nowadays, you know. So I was like, okay. And I didn't know what to expect, to be honest with you. Um, I was like, you know, what the hell is going on? And again, it came out of nowhere. And he goes, I got this idea. Um, I think we'll put the strap on you. And man, I about just like, you know, I was sitting on the edge of a bed on a, you know, phone uh, with a cord. And I'm going like, I about fell back like, what? And I, I go, what? And I probably did say it honestly. And he goes, yeah, I got this idea. He goes, uh, you know, Lawler's going to have the belt and blah, blah, blah. And um, if it's all right with Jerry, he goes, I'm going to run it by him first. He goes, but I, I'm seriously thinking this is what I'd like to do. i got this idea in my head. It's a great angle. Um, just want to make sure you're available. What do you think? And I, man, I was just like beside myself, to be honest with you. And I was like, you know, hey, it's, it's good with me. I'm not going to say a word to anyone. Um, I go, can I ask you this? I say, you know, am I coming back with a pay increase or whatever? I'm because, well, be, you know, working a lot more dates or whatever, what's expected of you. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to take care of you. And Jimmy always did, just so you know. Uh, so it was all good that way. I was like, I didn't ask for a specific amount. He didn't say a specific amount, nothing like that. He just, I knew what I had made before, and he always took care of me, like I said. And, um, man, that, the conversation, he was like, just, you know, just kind of, he's a, all the people I've talked to know about this. And he goes, I got to run up by Jerry just to make sure he'll do it. Uh, but um, how do you feel about it? And I was like, I'm in, you know, I'm in. Thanks. Thanks very much. He goes, listen, I got to make a town. He was telling me someplace in Tennessee. I said, I'm heading, you know, I was two hours from there, whatever, another section of Tennessee. I was like, yeah. And so I had this drive, you know, another four hours going, oh, my God, I would be Smoky Mountain champion, and I can't tell anyone. And I'm working for, like, I don't know, a $100, $150 shot, you know, somewhere in Tennessee. I had, like, a double shot. There was, a, there was a deal where I'd get like one, 150, one night. I know it doesn't sound like a lot, or to some people it may sound like a lot, but there were some guys that ran each shows, and they, they would do, you know, they paid the independent guys to, to one or $200. And so I was like, I was saying, you know, that's a good Friday, Saturday gig, or a good Friday, Saturday, Sunday gig, whatever, pick up some extra money, just driving, man, trying to think, oh, my, driving by myself, listening to radio, whatever, going, man, what an opportunity I have. Then you got to go to this, as Cornette calls them nowadays, outlaw mud shows. <laughs> no, you know, you're one of the guys off Smoky Mountain TV and they're paying you pretty good. And everyone else is probably making two dollars in a fucking candy cane or something or a bag of <laughs> M&Ms or a hot dog. You know, I don't know what the fuck they're making, but I know I'm getting my money because, they, you know, again, I tried to uh, business only, you know, and I'm thinking like, man, if they only knew. So that's kind of what happened, man. And um, then, then, you know, Jimmy called me back, of, I don't know, probably that following Tuesday, maybe Wednesday, and he said, hey, we're a go. You know, this is this is what I like to do. And he laid it out for me, and he said, again, just uh, don't say anything. I think at that point, honestly, the only people I think it knew was, you know, Jimmy. I think um, uh, Mark Curtis and Sandy Scott knew, and I'm sure, uh, but of course, uh, uh, Lawler knew. And I'm not so sure how much 
uh, Buddy and White Boy knew, to be honest with you, because because I don't know what I'm sure they knew, but I don't know to what extent they knew what was going to happen that particular day. But because Jimmy's just got that great mind, and as you know, I'm a cornet guy, so I'm always put him over. But um, so I'm pretty sure probably about five or six people knew. Um, you know, what do you say? Me, Jimmy, Brian, um, Lawler, Sandy Scott, and then, yeah, seven maybe with Law, uh, with uh, Buddy and, and White Boy. So that maybe Armstrong, maybe Bullet. I'm, I'm, well, let's say this. I just realized this after all these years. Probably Bullet. So eight people probably knew, Mike. Yeah. Um, that, that, that's that's during a time that part. when. That's during a time when. when... I mean, if those guys knew it was really, it was a lot easier to keep it a secret. You didn't know social media and, you know, yeah. text messages. And I and, think yeah. three of them may have been questionable if they knew or not. So I'm saying five to eight. I just now was figuring that out in my head because I always said about four or five people knew, myself included, you know. Um, and yeah, and I didn't say a word, man. I was just like, oh, the the thing that, that, was, that was good was, um, that I knew Jimmy had been good to me from the first time that I'd met him. And I knew that if he had this idea, he was, he was always following through with his ideas. So all I had to do basically was keep my mouth shut, keep my bookings uh, that I was doing, which I was staying booked pretty regular. Fortunately at that time uh, in the tri-state area, maybe four or five states over here, you know, Southeast, uh, you know, states and, um, at least a Friday, Saturday gig. Again, sometimes a Thursday through Sunday gig if you're lucky, whatever. But but all because I was on that Smoky Mountain TV and had finished up and now I had been off their TV for a good probably six months, I think I'd been probably no more four, but probably three or four shows where they was with an hour of my house that, that I could get to. And I wrestled as myself because I'm, you know, with an hour of my house where I had a couple of house shows where no TV was in this area. We didn't have TV within about 30 miles of my home at that time on cable. And then I went to a couple of shows under a mask. Um, and it wasn't as kendo. It was just like, you know, go in there and put white boy over or someone, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. And I wore a completely different gimmick. I had a whole body suit. Actually, I had uh, uh, all completely covered my body my, my, and I had a hood on, of course. But so I probably did three or four of those, and I always spoke to Jimmy. You know, at least I checked in once a month or so at the time. Uh, so when that call came, um, you know, I thought, well, maybe he when, I, when he said Bobby is Jimmy, I thought maybe he's returning my car. So I don't even know if I had called him at that particular time. But I'm just saying it, it totally took me off. You know, like I said, I was on the edge of a bed, man. I fell back like, ah. Uh. <laughs> I, I can... hope that answers that question. Yeah, it did. You know, because I mean, like I said, it. it if you're watching just the TV and you're not making any of the, the, the spot shows or any of the other Smoky Mountain shows, according to the records I was looking at, you only had made in that year. So in 95, up until right before you won the title, according to the records I have, it was showing you only on one other show where it was the, the heavenly bodies and yourself beat um, the gangsters and, and D'Lo when you pin D'Lo uh, in a match, that was like the only other match that I could find that you or a card yeah. that I could find that you were on. So, you know, the fact that you win the title, literally, you, and that wasn't even on TV. That was just a spot show. No, that, that's what I was, that was saying. The spot shows, I've done probably three or four of them, which again gotcha. would have been, we're over a six month period here that I've been off TV, probably five or six months. But right. I'm saying I went under, a, you know, total hood and stuff or total body thing. 
um, that that match actually was in my hometown. It was a show I helped with uh, Smoky Mountain, uh, you know, because we didn't have TV here, so I could wrestle myself, of course, because probably people would know even if I had a full body suit on here, they'd know who it was. Right. Uh, back then, you know what I'm saying? So some of the shots I did were a little bit farther away, maybe three or four hours or whatever, but I did maybe a couple, like I said, just just locally as myself. That That particular one, yeah, we had done – I think a few months before that, I promoted a show, and it was me and Rock and Roll against the uh, the gangsters. And then uh, the next time we come, uh, it was uh, the way uh, Jimmy and booked it and ran my hometown. It was it was us, me and the heavy bodies against the gangsters. So again, it's one of those things. That's probably the only time in '95 or whatever that I did work, but it wasn't on TV because, like I said, I was doing independence, and, and and I had I, you know I ran a couple shows in conjunction with Smoky Mountain. I ran Ashland. And a couple little shows here and there um, for them helping, you know, um, back in the day. So, yeah, that that sounds about right. So, But it did come out of nowhere on TV. I had oh, been yeah. off TV for quite a while. Oh, yeah, you had been off for a while. And like I said, you know, when, when I first tuned into it, it's like I said, it was the March 11th episode uh, that we just covered. And your... Out of nowhere, I mean, basically, Jim Ross and Les Thatcher, they throw us to Chip Kessler, who sets the table for, you know, Buddy Landell, who's attacking Dirty White Boy before his match with uh with Jerry Lawler for the Smoky Mountain title. And then Buddy has something to say, and then we hear Bob Armstrong say, well, we're going to settle it this way. And then <laughs> they cut to the clip of you wrestling Lawler. Um, the fans kind of go crazy. Um, it's very, very, it's, it's, it's very good. Now, you talked about Lawler. Um, and if Jimmy said it was okay, so, uh, talk us through, you know, you get there and this is Jerry Lawler. You are from Ashland, <laughs> Kentucky. So obviously as someone who grew up on Memphis wrestling, right? Um, yes, sir. That's why I was going to tell you today. If you didn't bring it up, you got to realize that's Jerry, the King Lawler. And I grew up watching Memphis wrestling, you know what I'm saying? So, and I've never met him at that point. I only right. knew this for a couple of weeks. I had, when I went out town a couple of times, Mike, uh, on those uh, independent bookings, you know, I would catch the program. Uh, again, we didn't get it in my hometown. The closest it came to was about 30 miles from here, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. So um, even though I know what was going on, I kind of kept track through when I'd go out town on the weekend, I'd catch an episode of Smoky Mountain on one of the TVs because that was the areas I was wrestling, like I said, because I had been on there. So I was like, oh, man, I'm coming in there. I'm coming here. And it's Jerry the King Lawler, you know. So uh, let's speed things up here. When I get to the building that night, I, you know, I do the professional thing. You know, you go introduce yourself. And, you know, of course, I'm happy to see all the boys I hadn't seen for a while. And, and, and at the Knoxville City Coliseum, it's, you know, it's pretty big. There's two sides. So I have to go around to the other side and see everyone and of course i you know i speak to, to lawler and, and uh landale and everyone i speak to everyone but i make sure i damn sure make sure i go and tell jerry lawler who I am. and you know at that point he's like yeah yeah kid you know you're very professional i i've heard about you i'll get with you in a minute you know that kind of thing you know what i'm saying because uh, this is an hour two hours before the show i don't even know big show you know so um but we're in the back and and uh, of course like i said i introduced myself to him and um uh, that's that for that particular time because I go back to my side and I know I have a match earlier in the program uh, via Mark Curtis. He said, this is what, you know, you're going to be opening match. And I, I need you to give up five or eight minutes. I said, yeah, no problem. And I look at guy named Brian Logan, real nice, you know, good guy, Tim Horner, a trained. I know you guys love hearing that name. 
I love but, no, uh, no, he, hold on, he, hold on, Bobby, hold on. No, no, I have you know, I you know, I I got nothing against Tim. We we have we've had a lot of fun making fun of Tim's promos. Tim has never done me a thing. We've talked about this, uh, but oh, no. I know, I know. <laughs> I didn't know. I don't know good, if I knew. Um, he turned out to be a really good worker. He yeah, I didn't. Keys and Brian Logan. Okay, <laughs> and we got out and got you know he was a good hand, and so man he went out that particular day and really put me over because at that point he knows what's going on too. All the boys do, you know, but no one again is saying anything. Um, so I go out there and I have a good good opening match. Um, you know, probably seventy thirty eighty twenty whatever. God, I'm not going to eat them up, of course, but I'm back and. And and I got a good reaction when I came out and and blah blah blah. And then after that, um, I went over to speak with Lawler, and that's when he said, "Okay, you know, here's the deal." And of course, I used to as a babyface, you're going to stop and clap and try to get the fans behind you. You know, when you're when the guys get a little bit of heat on you or what have you, when you come out, you know, I'm I'm doing that interaction thing. You know what I'm saying? And the only thing Lawler says to me is. Um, hey, you know, that, that whole the whole deal on this is don't worry about all that clapping and stomping your foot and getting the fans with you. He said, because it's probably not going to be a you know real big heat spot for you to come back in. He said, it's going to be really quick, kind of out of nowhere. He said, let me take care of all that. He said, just listen to me, and we'll be fine. He said, when the time's right, I'm going to grab a headlock, and um, you'll see me. And I said, okay. And that was pretty much it, to be honest with you, because I remember him specifically saying, don't worry about the clapping or stopping to try and get the people behind. He said, I'll make sure they're behind you. And he just put me in that position, you know. So I hope that, that answers your question as to where things went to from there when we got in the ring. So, yeah, it, it um, just, my, my biggest question was mainly, you know, the fact that it was Lawler and here he is. Yeah. He's about to put you over for the Smoky Mountain Wrestling title. Yeah. You, you know, I mean, I got to meet the dog back in the day, but I never got to wrestle him. And it would have been yeah. like me meeting, you know, the dog and dog going, all right, kid, I'll put you over, you know, in his little grobbly yeah. voice. And, oh, yeah. And uh, I probably would have oh, shit in my pants, you know, if in that situation. <laughs> That's why I could, you know, I'm thinking about no, you. It and it's right. Nothing but professional. And um, I really didn't, I mean, I knew, I knew it at that time. I'm wrestling Jerry the King Lawler. But it's one of those things when, um, and I and I told my my brother actually uh, came up from uh, Miami, Florida, and that was a cool thing too. I I, I want to throw this in there. I got to take my mom uh, down to the show with me. So what happened was I was booked. Listen to this. I was booked the night before in Tennessee. Okay, I had reserved several rooms uh, for my mom, my brother. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Sorry about that. So uh, down in Knoxville. So my brother had come from Miami. It was a great opportunity for my mom to see my brother, who she hadn't seen for a year or two or whatever it was. I don't remember what the time was. But um, also, they knew I was wrestling Jerry King Lawler, but I didn't even tell them. I didn't even tell them. And my brother is a great wrestling fan, and he, he he's wrestled before, so I mean, it's not like he's not smart to the business, but I was like, I want them to be surprised. But I was booked on a Saturday in one of those um, outlaw shows I was talking about. And believe it or not, one of those phone calls that come to you, I wanted to tell you this. Uh, and I will give you, you know, I appreciate you guys plugging my book, uh, Pin Me, Pay Me. And then I mentioned it very briefly. But the guys that had booked me the night before were going to pay me like $200. And 
And they called me, like, right when I was getting ready, head down tour, like Johnson said, he did over to Knoxville the next night to, to do, do the Sunday Bloody Sunday, Sunday show. And they called me, and they, they was like, they just started like, we can't have you on this show. We can't do this. We're not having you down there. Uh, you're not drawing us anymore. It, it, it was one of those outlaw shows, you know what I'm saying? And I was sitting there going, man, if you ain't new, after tomorrow, you'll be fucking calling me. You'll wait to see. And I played <laughs> it very cool. It was just some fucking hillbilly redneck down in Tennessee outside Johnson City at Randy shows that actually had kept me booked during that six-month period. Probably once a month, paid me $200. Uh, but for whatever reason, got a wild hair that day to say they couldn't afford me. And they didn't talk nasty to me or nothing like that, but I was like, I'm like, you know what? I'm sorry to hear that or whatever. I said, you know, thanks a lot. And um, hung up and I, I told my mom, I said, hey, you know, my brother wasn't due to the next day. I said, we're going to have to leave to tomorrow morning. And she goes, oh, that's good. So it all worked out, Mike. So when we traveled down there, and I, and I kid you not, on Monday morning, <laughs> my phone rang off the hook from those guys and several other independent guys going, hey, Bobby, what's your booking fee? When can we get you on a show? And I'm like, you can't. <laughs> but um, but uh, back to the Lawler thing, with him, like I said, man, it was completely professional. Um, when I spoke to him, you know, like I said, it was all very easy. Uh, in the back, I wrestled that first match. I went to the back. I was supposed to come out totally surprised because you saw it on TV. Bullet Bob Armstrong goes in the back and gets the first wrestler he sees, and that's supposed to be me. So I, you know, I'm back here just about, I've got one boot just about halfway, not halfway unlaced, just unlaced, just enough. You know, of course, uh, knee pad, one of them down, just enough that, it, you know, I may have getting ready to be changed or whatever. And uh, he brings me out there and I'm coming out at that point, just as startled as all the fans are. And hopefully just as all the fans are when they saw it on TV, they're like, what are you, you know what I'm saying? What are you, are you, he, he got Bobby Blaze? This is his first night back in. And then, like I said, we got in the ring, and Lawler's, like, laughing and joking. He puts his arm around me. Hey, kid, let's get a picture. And because um, this will be the closest you ever come to greatness, you know. This will close, be the closest you ever come to championship. Uh, the belt, you'll never be this. And he's kind of he's kind of put me over to kind of bear me. You know how Lawler is, right? Great yeah. fucking interview. He's out there doing a great fucking promo for me in the ring. I'm sitting there like the starstruck fucking kid, like you was talking about you a dog or whatever. I'm sitting there in a the ring as a grown ass dog going, fuck, I'm getting restless guy. And, you know, um, and all he, it was, there was nothing taught. He just said, uh, you know, hey, when, when, I mean, at that point, there was no shit in the back where he said, do this, do that. Like I said, all he said was, don't worry about clapping, clapping and stomping. I'll get, you know, there's not going to be a, a lot of uh, chance for you to have a heat come back and, all that he said when the time's right he said i'll get you over and he said you'll see buddy jump up and he said when you see buddy on the turnbuckle you'll know because i'm gonna grab a headlock it and that's all pretty much new so we're in there we, we and at that point that's when the match starts uh you know after he cuts his promo with me in the ring and i'm standing like in my corner like the starstruck kid and also i have to kind of revert back to um like i'm supposed to be even more surprised and also uh, he's way out of my league. I have to oversell that as well. You know what I'm saying? So um, I kind of have to just be leery of him because this is Jerry King Lawler, not just the, um, not just someone that uh, I had, you know, looked up to and, and followed his career and and uh, was a huge fan of and this and that, but also the, as as doing the work, putting the work in, if you will. I had to get over like, oh man, you know, he he's 
he is Jerry King Lawler. He he could he should beat my ass and should pin me in probably a couple of minutes. But uh, you know, I know otherwise. He's gonna string along until the time's right. And Buddy, being a professional he is or was uh, at that time, and everyone involved, it was one of those things when the time was right. Uh, done my kicks, done this, done that. Lawler like headlock. Boom, shoot me off. I shot him off. There, there's him and Buddy. I rolled him up. One, two, three, and the place goes crazy. I go crazy. I can't, of course. Inside I do, but on the outside I'm selling like a motherfucker, you know, because I, you know, he's beating the piss out of me until you know he grabs a headlock and I shoot him off for the for the finish. Bobby, let me. Yeah, yeah, it did. Let me ask you a question. Uh, I appreciate the details. Um, so I had told you a story one time. Uh, I got to work with Chris Adams, and you know, I grew up. I saw Adams in world class. So I mean, yeah, it was. Chris was. Um, I, I think I've told you the story before, but you know, Chris. Chris wasn't the most talkative guy, but after the match I had with him, I walked up to him and I said, "Hey, Chris, I know how was everything." And he he didn't hesitate, and all he said was, you did good. And that was it. He didn't say anything else. He didn't say anything bad. Um, it was just like, no, everything. And I think he repeated it. He was like, everything was fine. And that was it. Um, I asked that. I say that to say, when you wrestled Lawler after in the back, um, I know a lot of times it's customary if you're especially considered young or, you know, I mean, this guy is somebody you grew up watching. I mean, he's a legend. He's Jerry Lawler. Afterwards, uh, in the back, was there any interaction with you guys after the match where you're like, hey, was everything fine? You know, yada, 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 that type of thing. Uh, no, you know what it was. Because um, soon as that match ended, uh, Buddy jumps in and whop, right. whop, whop, uh, whopping on me. And, and it's, it's, it's called Sunday, Buddy, Sunday for a reason. And, and I'm, you know, I'm just, there's juice everywhere. And um, so as soon as I go in the back, I, they boom, they start taking pictures, and um, you know I don't have much time to like really clean off or anything. But I'm, but I damn sure have got to go over and tell him thanks, him and Buddy both, and everyone involved. You know, Bullet and Scotty. I remember Scott Armstrong, you know, jumping up and down when I wanted. Dirty White Boy was involved. You know, I had to thank them all. But the very first one I went to, you know, I wiped off what I could, made sure, you know, uh, I went over there and I thanked them. And uh, he said, "Hey, you know, thank you. Everything. It was, there was there was no. I didn't even think about like you know. Um, I was so elated because it's one of those things that happened that you know you want you 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 want to get, you you want to make sure it all got over good, and you know you're the champion now, and you have expectation for you. But this man just basically passed the torch to you, if you will, for Smoky Mountain Wrestling. So I went over." And I made sure, you know, I found them. And it wasn't hard to find because there was an open area right there on the hillside with the monitor, et cetera. And I, I just walked up to him and, and said, you know, hey, thank you very much. Is thank you. And, and he was like, thank you, um, you know, whatever. And that was that, really. There was no, you know, a whole lot of interaction, to be honest with you. He was there. He knew what he was there for. And, um, you know, he, he when he came in, he knew what the whole deal was because, again, Cornette had, had brought him in for that specific reason to do business, it was business only. And, um, uh, of course, when I spoke to Buddy, Buddy said, hey, Bobby, you know, basically, I thank you, and, and we'll be talking soon, and, and White Boy, the same thing. And, and then, of course, I, you know, that was that. As far as Lawler goes, though, yeah, I shook his hand. I thanked him very much, and, 
and I appreciate, I probably dip my head down like, you know, hey, man, thank you. I bowed like, you know, out of respect. I don't know if I did. I'm just saying I probably did. But I but I know I went over and, you know, uh, that was that. And um, uh, I think it got over fine, and I think he knew that too. And I think he was – I'm pretty sure Cornette and Buddy and White Boy were more talking like those three, and Jerry was like kind of right to the side. I could be wrong, but outside that little circle – so when I walked over there after he does photos and stuff, um, it was just one of those things where it's like they knew it got over and there wasn't any explanation other than, you know, what's next because the angle was, was what it was, you know. So uh, yeah. when I thanked them, I thanked them and that was that. We're um and um, I mean I was fine so, with that to be honest with you. I was fine oh, with yeah, that. I, I'm I'm sure, yeah. I mean you don't wanna you know, yeah, I, I, I know exactly what you mean. Was there any, you know, White Boy had been champion for a while before uh, Lawler won it. Uh, he, he had, I think, one of the longest runs. And, um, you know, Buddy had been yeah. in the business for a very long time and was well-respected. I mean, he had been on Saturday night and been throughout the territories, Mid-South and everywhere. Uh, was there any, I, I got to ask this, and, and I'm not trying to ask you if, if they, there was, like, any contention, but uh, were White Boy and Budro as two veterans right there, uh, not that you weren't a vet. What, what I mean is, you know, some, they they were guys who had been around for a long time. Uh, what was, mm-hmm. you know, what did they think? I mean, were they like, man, we can't believe Jimmy put it on Bobby like this, or yeah, did they, they I all think seemed, so. Oh, you think they I did think feel so. that way? Uh, yeah, they felt it. They they felt it. I know for a fact they felt it. Believe me. Okay. Um, and that that's probably for another show to be honest with you. Okay. Um, that night, that night on that Sunday night on Sunday Bloody Sunday. Uh, it was all, you know, shaking hands and baby faces uh, to you, you know, because you're the champion. Uh, so, uh, like I said, Buddy probably said, like, you know, uh, thank, I, I thanked him, he thanked me, and he said, I'll be talking to you soon. And uh, same thing with White Boy, because uh, he was out there, like I said, you know, Scotty Armstrong, uh, Bull Armstrong, and all the baby faces, they was all for it. Um, you know, they knew, what, they knew what was up, like Ricky and Robert, they were, Tracy, them guys were all, like, you know, this this is a great idea that Jimmy's got. And they're all baby faces, of course. Uh Jimmy knows what the fuck Jimmy's doing. And and he's got a great mind. And um I'll be redundant to say, I'm a Cornette guy. Hey, I, I, he treated me good from day one. And so uh, I think at some point, and if you want to do that another show, I I go in a little bit more detail, but I think, you know, uh Buddy I always liked Buddy even before I got into business. I was like, I met Buddy probably let's see in '88. Uh, I met Buddy in '88, and uh, so I knew who he was. And um, uh, White Boy, I met when I come there, and of course he went out there and put me over for the, for the TV championship. You know, early in my uh, brief Smoky Mountain run earlier, so uh, or beat the TV champ or whatever. So yeah, they was a little bit like you know what the fuck is Jimmy thinking kind of thing. But um, I think they both, at that particular night, there was no, it may have been whatever, they may have talked amongst themselves. I don't think they spoke to Law or, or, or Jimmy about it. It sure as hell didn't speak to me about it. There was nothing but, you know, uh, shaking my hand, congratulate me and saying it was all good. Um, and again, that might be for another show when you want to say, well, you know, and again, it wasn't anything. Um, they just, I think they felt like, especially White, but really felt like, that title was his title and was wondering what the hell Jimmy's doing. But as he did before with me, put me over and doing the junior title, 
uh, with that run, it all came out good. So with this one here, that was the same thing. There was an idea. Here's where we're going with it. And they played along uh, as long as they could. And I think um, uh, we'll go into that another time, to be honest with you. Let's keep it on up, keep up no here that right. that particular night they was on board with it, you know. Yeah, I I, uh, I would – I agree. I was curious more than anything. We'll definitely do. We'll definitely record again. There's something there. I'll tell you that. They both thought that title was theirs, <laughs> but, but it wasn't. And uh, you know, it, it was the Smoky Mountain Heavyweight Championship title. It, it was the heavyweight title. It was whoever fucking won the thing, or you know, or was booked to win it. It's booking the territory, you know. And I was booked to win it that night over Jerry Lawler. Go out there and then beat Landell uh, right after that and retain it and still be the Smoky Mountain Heavyweight Champion for the next few weeks of programming. So yeah, there there you go. <laughs> and Bobby, you know Bobby, what else? What else is funny? I know we're starting to run short on time, so we'll we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. start wrapping up because uh, I know you yes, got to run. Thank you. No, I, no problem. I just want to say one other thing. We've we've had, you and I have actually talked before about how um the, what, what happened with White Boy and Horner. It, during one of your first runs in Smoky Mountain and where there was a little friction and you know when when I guess you beat White Boy that first time and yeah. it wasn't that he was mad with you it was just kind of like you know he said look I know you every, I think you caught them having some words and you like and he said something to you like look yeah, I know what yeah. you heard but look I'm I'm here to do business with you don't don't let that get to you or whatnot everything's cool and and I think you you and I even talked about the fact that when it came to that title, a lot of times, you know, it was it was Cornette's title because it's Cornette's promotion. But uh, yeah, there were some guys around it who like almost thought it was theirs. Like, unfortunately, and I'm not yeah. trying to talk bad about Horner or White Boy because I actually really no, really liked no. all those guys, you know. So anyway, but so here's yeah. So that no, that's that's a straight shoot. I'm glad you recalled that. Yeah, um, uh, what it was, I was doing my program of White Boy, and Horner was doing his program Candido, and I just happened to come around a corner. And they was like questioning what the fuck Cornette was doing, you know, what's going on here kind of thing. These green guys, you know, young guys, whatever <laughs> it was. And yeah. so it's kind of one of those things. And that had been, you know, probably, I don't know, you had to track the, the time there, you know, year 18 or 20 months before that, you know, before I got the heavy heavyweight title. So here it is. And I, I, I could tell you a couple of stories. There was some friction there, not that Sunday. And, and, you know, we can go on eventually for, for whatever. There was some friction there because, again, I think both of those guys really thought that was their title. But, but the thing was, uh, because Buddy, Land not, Buddy lived not too far from there. He was a, was a veteran, and, and, you know, that white boy lived there. Um, he, he held the title all those – when you add up all the runs and days he had it, it was, I think, the biggest and longest run. But I think – both of them really felt like that was our title, the Smoky Mountains, you know. And here's this younger guy, uh, uh, you know, even though I had been wrestling from 88 and this took place in, in 95, I didn't go full-time until 91, so I've been wrestling full-time for four years. These guys have been in the business 10, 15 years, you know. Right. Uh, uh, lower, longer than that, of course, like we talked about. So at that particular day, it was all good, you know what I'm saying? But I think, uh, yeah, they was all, but, but also I know they were there to do business too. You know, they understood that and I understood that. And it was business only because it was booked that way and it was Cornette's idea and everyone else got on board with that. And it made for some great professional wrestling 
for the fans in this area, this region, uh, the Great Smoky Mountains, the Appalachians, and, and just, the, you know, uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, uh, the Carolinas, and sometimes we're down to Georgia. You know, it just, it really meant if I'm leaving out Virginia, maybe, I don't know if I said it or not. But it, it just provided some great professional wrestling with some good, good, ring-talented uh, veterans like the Rock and Roll, like Buddy, like White Boys. So I don't want you to think I'm making a dig on those guys, I'm just saying. And also that brought in, as you know, some young and up-and-coming guys that Cornette gave a, a chance to. And um, he, he had an idea with it. Like I said, when he made that phone call, a few weeks passed, and no one said anything. Uh, that I know of, other than those, you know, maybe five, eight people at noon. And on that day, when it come time, Bullet Bob went in the back, got the first wrestler he saw, which happened to be me. I came out. There's Jerry the King Lawler. Bada boom, bada bing. Uh, boom, boom, boom. Grab a headlock, shoot him off. Him and Bedrow hit, Bedrow hit head. I roll all up. One, two, three, and I'm the new Smoky Mountain Heavyweight Champion. How's that, Mike? It's great. So, Bobby, let's start wrapping this thing up. Um, I want to tell all the people to uh, go buy your book. I actually plug the book twice a week. Uh, Pit, I, I mean, I know yes, you got more you than do. one. But, uh, and I appreciate Pit, that. When I listen, and I've listened to the last three or four episodes because I enjoy the show. I'm a fan and a friend of the show. Hey, man, thank you for plugging my books. Pin Me, Pay Me is the greatest. Uh, I'm not even going to call it professional wrestling. It's a great book about life lessons pin me pay me is true in every walk of life so go buy bobby blaze's book tinyurl.com slash btt amazon but anyway uh you can you can get more from bobby blaze there and then bobby tell the people where to uh, find you on twitter and where to listen to you on bell to bell with bobby blaze yes okay so right now i don't have any social media other than on twitter and that's my choice folks i want bobby blaze 744 I just, I, I'm off Facebook right now. I'm off Instagram. I'm, I'll probably come back to them. I've just got a lot of stuff. I'm, I'm doing a lot of writing right now. Excuse me. So I only concentrate on one thing uh, when I'm writing. So my only social media I have, because it blew up, and I, I kept the best account, and that's on Twitter, at BobbyBlade744. Also, I've got a podcast with the Geekish cast. Uh, my, my good friend Jeremy out there in California records about once a week, and I got text down in South Carolina taking care of our YouTube channel. It's uh, Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. If you go to the uh, on Twitter, it's at Bell to Bell Blaze, and on on a YouTube, it's at Bell to Bell uh, with Bobby Blaze. Or you could use tinyurl dot uh, com backslash bbbb video. That's where our YouTube channel is at. But the main thing with me, Mike. And a big shout out again to all the fans and friends on booking the territory. Just follow me on Twitter at BobbyBlaze744. Anything else out there right now is not me because that's the only social media I have. And I appreciate anyone that read my book. I appreciate you putting it over. And uh, I appreciate the chance and the opportunity to come on this great program because I do enjoy it. And, and thank you, Mike, for taking the time out of your day to, to record this with me. No problem, Bobby. Uh... I'll let you run. Hang tight real quick. But uh, that's Bobby Blaze, everyone. And his uh, fourth, maybe fifth appearance on Booking the Territory. So, uh, Patreon members, I hope you enjoyed this early drop. And if you're listening to this the week of episode 163 from March 11th, 1995, we thank you as well. Bobby, do me a favor and do what Hopper does at the end of every show and give me a book it, bitch. Hey, this is Bobby Blaze. And all I can tell you is, book it, bitch. 
Before we get out of here, I want to shout out a couple of people, friends of the show. Also want to shout out some Patreon members and thank them for their patronage. Uh, before I do all that, like I said, a couple of friends of the show and podcasts that we hope you support. Check out the wrestling podcast about nothing with Brian Malonis from ROH and Mike Crockett. They do their show every single Monday. Monday mornings, the shows drop. They talk current and classic wrestling, along with some indie stuff, too. But it's a good show. They're friends of mine. So please support them because they support us. Also, check out our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, run by buddies of mine, Joe Murata and Michael Quinn, as they give their take on the northern side of pro wrestling's history. Slightly classier, definitely more professional than we are. Thank you, Joe and Quinn, for all of your plugs. We appreciate it. Also, check out the Bottom Line cast with Mike Prue and JV. They do their show. I believe their shows are dropping on Wednesdays these days. I keep forgetting, but uh, they're basically breaking down the career of Stone Cold Steve Austin. So check out Mike and JV as they do their thing. Great show. And also Mike and JV do the ECW Extreme Livecast on our Patreon feed at the $5 level. So good guys doing some good work, and I appreciate it, Mike and JV. Thank you for all of your support. And like I said, I want to thank all the Patreon members out there for their support and patronage. We really appreciate it. We do two shows a week that are free. And then in addition to that, we do more because of you guys. And we appreciate that. So thanks for supporting this show. Uh, It's definitely a great thing that you do for us and and supporting us. I mean, I can't say it enough. I'm eternally grateful for all the patrons we have. And as I'm talking about being eternally grateful, shout out to the Hall of Fame patrons. Kevin Carter, Michael Angel, Bob Richards, Rocky Swayzo, Christopher Champer, Will Harkey, Robbie Dyson, Rick Beebe, Brad Dunyfin, Tom Schlegel, Coach Joey Chase, a.k.a. Willie Chase, Steve Malbasa, LaRon Brown, Kenny Byersdorf, Glenn Abbott, at GA WrestleNote on Twitter, Bobby Murray, Marlon Mueller, a.k.a. at Half Pints Point. Keep cutting them promos, kid. I know you would love when I say that. Josh Warren, Everett Starr, Mike Childry, Kyle Riley, Disrespectfully Classy, Marky Blassie, Craig Norman, Johnny on Patreon, the great John Dean at YRC21, Josh Dunn, Ryan and Auburn, at Ryan and Auburn, that is, on Twitter. Good old Justin, Robert Smith, Joseph Ice, Tim Morecci, Adam Price, Brian Evans, Mark Wilson, Armando Martinez, David Jordan, Jesse Jacobs, Josh Fields, Chris Myers, Gerald Green, Mitchell Johnson, Mike Prue, Will Parker, Jeremy Bryant, Classy Alex, David DeVries, Frog Zeppelin, SV Pageant, Bill Salsa, Big Rich, at Spy Boy Sports Cap, R.E. Miller 39, Jay Shiny, Ruben Espinosa, Merciless Jones, Jesse Lucas, Chris Browning, Justin underscore Andretti, Coleman 822, Marty Howell, T-Hog 94, Bold Unreal. Thanks for being Hall of Fame patrons. That list is getting longer and longer. And I appreciate it. Thank you for your patronage. And thank you for being Hall of Fame patrons and supporting this show and everything we do. That's all I got. Thank you again, guys. We appreciate it. Have a great rest of your day and week and whenever or month or whenever you're listening to this. Thank you very much. And like Hopper always says before we get out of here, book it, bitch. <laughs>